Okay, so good evening, everyone. Uh, you know, for all those who have joined, and also for those who are joining in. See, I will um, introduce uh, you know Brother Prakash, who has joined us from Chennai, India. It's very early in the morning at five thirty for him, uh, but he has kindly agreed to be with us. Um, you know, quickly to give a brief introduction about him and also the need that I felt for having this meeting. I will try to cover that. Uh, see, there is a word in um, English. It's called as polymath. You know, polymath means a person who generally is very knowledgeable on different subjects. So you tell, you give him anything, the person will be able to cover. Uh, that is the kind of uh, feeling I generally have when it comes to, you know, Brother Prakash. He is very elder to me, so I call him Brother, but it makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> he is very elder to me. Uh, see, I have seen him talk on various topics, whether it is with respect to management or whether it is with respect to MSME or whether it is with the economy. He can talk on various subjects in a lot of detail. At the same time, you know, if it is something to do with uh, spirituality also, he has a lot of depth. Many things like, you know, if we spend time with him, he will share a lot of things. Um, you know, I have personally got benefited from the association that I've had with him. Uh, see, he is basically a co-founder of uh, an organization called Sea Change Consulting. And so he does a lot of uh, work in turning around uh, different organizations uh, who are actually at the, uh, what to say, at the lower uh, area of the efficiency. He brings them up with respect to their productivity, you know, finances and everything. So that is pretty much his uh, one side of, you know, Brother Prakash. The other side, from spirituality standpoint, he has spent more than around 29, 30 years, I think, right now in, uh, you know, heartfulness. He started with the third uh, master, you know, Charaji Maharaj. And uh, ever since, he has been very closely associated with him. So from he has quite a lot of experiences from the personal interactions with, uh, you know, the third guide of heartfulness. So personally, when he shares, uh, you know, quite a lot of, uh, you know, interactions that are very knowledgeable for us. And he is currently also serving as the, you know, secretary of the Indian mission for uh, the current incarnate master, you know, Daji. Uh, so that is his background. He is also the regional coordinator in uh, Tamil Nadu zone. Uh, you know, so basically Tamil Nadu is one state in India for those who don't know. And there are several zones within Tamil Nadu and there are several, uh, you know, preceptors, you know, who he actually mentors. And also like uh, there are several seekers, you know, who join over there. And uh, they somehow have a big organization to make sure that they are able to maintain that momentum. You know, lot, there is a quite a, a tremendous amount of growth. You know that they are able to show in uh, heartfulness in Tamil Nadu. Um, see, one interesting thing I will share with you. Uh, once, like what actually happened was when I stepped into this role as a regional head here in Canada, I met him. And then I, I requested him to help me out, uh, requested him to mentor me uh, in this particular role. <laughs> so he gave me my first assignment of coming up with a vision uh, for what I have for Canada. And it took me four days because like every time I went back, he will send me back with a different, 
you know idea so very deep person but he will uh, he's a great mentor uh, to learn and grow the other incident that i remember is i was very stretched and exhausted one day and this is something i want all of us to hear and know about the depth of heartfulness one day i was very stretched and exhausted and it happens because like you know day job you know we all have we work for the family material life all those things are there and then evening time uh, and then early morning hours we devote to our personal practice and also we uh, connect with seekers and we give sittings and everything so it is natural that sometimes we get very exhausted as the week progresses so one day when i was actually talking to him he actually asked me like what's going on and i told him i'm very exhausted so he said okay sit i will give you a sitting right after the sitting i felt so very energized completely and then uh, he also taught me the technique of what to do as well the reason i am actually sharing this one is uh, in heartfulness there is a lot of depth so many techniques are there uh, there is a lot of depth uh, when we have a proper mentor you know they can actually teach us how to go about things and you know it actually shapes us and helps us evolve as a person now the reason i actually have this session arranged for is uh, you know he i heard one of his talks uh, to the volunteers and the seekers over there and i felt very very moved uh, by the particular talk and i seriously felt like it will benefit anybody you know who hears that particular talk that he gave for the preceptors over there and the separately like even for the volunteers also over there so that is the reason why <coughs> we chose to have this particular meeting and in this meeting uh, you know the he is going to talk about habits and uh, you know life success you know that's what he is going to cover the intention is the, the session will go for about an hour 8 to 9 and then at 9 pm he has graciously agreed to give all of us a sitting uh, generally whenever i have uh, taken a sitting from him each time the experience has been very different and uh, you know i have i have learned a lot out of each of those sittings from the experiences whatever i have felt i am sure each one of you also will uh, you know have a unique experience and you will have something to uh, enjoy uh, so that is with respect to the introduction that i would like to give for both the reason for this particular session and also about uh, brother prakash mm -hmm. so welcome you know uh, brother prakash i know it's very early in the morning for you and also like uh, i feel very moved for all the help that you have given to me and also especially to meet everyone of us over here in this part of the world and uh, this day also supposed to be um, you know a great occasion for two reasons one is it is still his birthday on the canadian side although like it is 15th august for him there his birthday hasn't finished over here so he has that extra bit of opportunity to continue the birthday time with us Uh, and then the other thing is like you know it is also uh, the mahasamadhi of you know the first uh, teacher of uh, you know heartfulness lalaji so it's a very auspicious occasion as well so for uh, on both these uh, occasions coming together it is very nice to have this extended session on a sunday with uh, prakash plus along with the sitting so thank you very much uh, you know brother and i will you know, let this uh, be open for you yeah thank you i'm still looking for the worms if you understand what it means they say you know the early bird gets the worms <laughs> still quite early in the morning here to be uh, thank you for the, the nice uh, introduction for sure i just thought of 
sharing a joke, maybe, you know, or rather a, <clears throat> a story. Once a student was asked to write an essay on a topic of his choice. A student loved cows, so he said cows actually eat grass. They give milk and things like that. The teacher thought, you know, it's maybe I have to make the student to write on some other topic. He said, why don't you write about your travel in a bus? I said, fine, I'll write. And then he takes a sheet of paper and then writes saying that <clears throat> I was traveling in a bus. On the, I was seated on the left side of the bus and outside I saw a huge lawn. And in that lawn, there was a cow and the cow was eating grass. And the grass uh, led to the cow giving the milk. The teacher said, no, I had to really make him think different. He said, okay, now think of going by a flight and then share us essay on that. So I went to the airport, I boarded a flight. When I boarded the flight, the flight went to about 30,000 feet. From the side of the aircraft, I looked down, there was a field and in the field there was a cow and the cow was eating the grass. <laughs> if you get to the story, it's like that the polymath that we show is referring to whatever you start friendly, I bring it back to heartfulness. <laughs> the only polymath I know is heartfulness and from there is what everything seems to come. <laughs> When you speak about success, there's a very <clears throat> interesting anecdote or a story I want to start with. There's once this rich man who's an immigrant who comes to a place like uh, Canada. And uh, after several years, uh, people want to chronicle his uh, success history. He gets interviewed by a famous channel and they put him there and ask him, please share the success behind uh, the story behind the success that you have. And he says, it was about, I was about 23 years old. I came to this country as an immigrant. And what did you do to become so rich? You, are, you, are, you can't even count the wealth that you have. It's first week, my mom had given me about 10 cents. I went to a shop, bought vegetables and went about vending it. I, at the end of the week, the 10 cents became 12 cents. Okay, after that, I put the 12 cents back and worked hard and worked hard. And after one week, it became 15 cents. Oh, wonderful, sir. After that, I said I put the 15 cents again and went around, went around. At the end of third week, it became 20 cents. Sir, can you just say how it became the billions of dollars that you have? It's quite simple. At the end of the third week, I found this girl who was born to a rich man, loaded and got married, and that's why I became rich. So for many people, you know, success comes in several ways. And success, if measured only as wealth, has its own way of uh, panning out in our lives. So the first thing that we have to, I mean, this is something that is sort of what we call as an MDQ or a million dollar question, you know. Uh, the definition of uh, success is always uh, eluding, seems to always be out of our uh, grasp as the concept of moving goals that exist even in Sahajmar heartfulness. So first we have to, to get into this topic of habits and uh, success, life success. We need to understand what actually success uh, means to us. I've read several definitions and I continue to be fascinated by this uh, topic. It's, it's something that everyone wants to understand and ace in their lives whether you are in material path, spiritual path, or so-called balanced path. So if I have to ask you the question, take a moment 
for yourself uh, and give a pause for you to think. You don't need to share it, but uh, what really is success to you? Think about it. Uh, if you have a paper, you can write. Uh, I will not ask you to share so that uh, I don't need to make you feel embarrassed in case the definitions are different from one another. But uh, if you're able to pause and reflect for a minute, I don't know what your answers are. I don't want you to read, but at least you can reflect. Uh, is it bordering on material wealth or is it bordering on relationships? Is it bordering on spiritual conquests? Whatever it may be, success uh, is normally seen in two ways. Either as an output or as an outcome. Outputs and outcomes are a bit uh, different. Uh, let's understand that first for us to understand uh, and go back to what success can be. Success like uh, the fingerprints in the hand is almost different for each human being, though many people tend to weigh it down to the wealth that they have, the material wealth. Okay, let's look at these two terms in terms of uh, outputs and uh, outcomes. A typical output is uh, what we call as uh, the numbers that you uh, generate. In corporate parlance, you can call it as, say, for example, I have so many thousands or millions of dollars in my bank account. And it becoming 1.5x, 2x, 3x, whatever of that, that movement output based on the effort that I put in is uh, what we call as an output, which is normally measurable. In goal-setting parlance, we also call it as ambition. Ambition, uh, one strategy defined as something that you want to keep on acquiring. It's something that I want. I want a car, I want a home, I want a good bank balance, I want a graduation in this uh, discipline, I, I want to become a better designated executive in my organization, things like that. Typically, they are all uh, Things that uh, you keep on acquiring, either based on your needs or wants or desires. But when you look at the outcome, let me put it this way, if you are, say, Usain Bolt, uh, getting a medal may be an output that you sort of get. The money that goes with that can be an output. But outcome typically is measured in terms of the impact that you create for yourself and for others. You look at uh, Usain Bolt after 15, 20 years of what he has done and he has now retired. The legacy that he has left behind as a sprinting legend of the last century or even partly of this century, it's, a, it's an outcome. If you really equate that to the goal setting process, we call it as something what we call as aspirational. Aspirational, what Charity once said, is all about becoming, whereas ambition is about acquiring. For example, I might want to be maybe the five best thought leaders in Canada in the next five, 10 years, something like that. For example, some of you may be in certain professions and then you want to leave an imprint where you are spoken about much, much after you're gone, long gone, dead, buried, whichever way. If you look at the story of uh, Alfred Nobel, many of you might be knowing that he is also uh, known for the riches that he amassed by selling dynamite. 
once upon a time it so happened that when he was still in his 40s or so by mistake uh, the message went around that he was dead and an obituary was uh, printed while he was still alive and uh, the magazine or the daily which printed the obituary had written a little tarnished his image saying that it's better that this person is uh, dead and gone than being alive because the kind of destruction he has caused in this world because of the sale of dynamite and the wars that he has uh, instigated uh, for his dynamite itself it's what that he doesn't exist in this world and it so happened that uh, landed on the lap of uh, alfred nobel and he was really shocked he was angry initially and then he was shocked and he called for this uh, person who had written that piece and when he happened to meet he said why did you write this sir i'm sorry for writing this i didn't know you were alive but uh, what was said and done this is what you are you have made money but uh, imagine the kind of destruction that you have left behind in this world and you continue to live that apparently in that moment was a turning point in the life of alfred nobel and uh, that's when he decided to set that uh, nobel foundation through which even today after several maybe maybe 100 years plus since he's gone people are still talking about him more in a reverential way how many would know the other side of the story he moved from being ambitious to aspirational in that moment that uh, kind of a eureka moment happens to many of us maybe when we are quite young or maybe at a later age uh, but till the shift happens in one way or another uh, life is really not complete otherwise uh, what you are is uh, nothing but uh, the amount of money that you have made or the wealth that you have acquired no harm in that but if you really look at uh, the time when it comes you pass on uh, in your tombstone it they will just put the year of birth and the year of death and they'll just put a hyphen in between and this hyphen many times is the life uh, that we have lived for 60 70 80 90 years but finally is expressed as one single hyphen when uh, people <clears throat> after long long time we are gone what would you be remembered for so if you come back to that uh, topic that uh, we are here to discuss uh, habits and uh, life success what exactly is success that you have defined it to be is it ambitious is it aspirational is it based on output is it based on outcome or is it a combination of both what will be it it's something that uh, uh, should uh, add uh, meaning to life once i remember uh, reading almost 17 18 years ago a wonderful definition of success in a book that i was reading and in that uh, book the author had defined success uh, in a beautiful way he just wrote that uh, success is when i can live the life the way it should be it's a beautiful statement because uh, the way the life should be is different from the the way the life uh, i would want it to be and finding the difference between the want and the should is uh, where the real uh, journey begins we all know what we want and predominantly this uh, desires whether material or spiritual so even in spirituality you can have uh, desires of uh, moving in points i am in so and so point i want to <clears throat> move to this point i am in so so and so region i want to move to this region things like that or i am holding this uh, volunteer post and i want to become better and maybe uh, head a state or a head a country or why not much more things like that 
So ambition is not restricted to only uh, material life. It can be even in uh, spiritual life. So if there is a definition that you have in terms of what your life uh, should be, what would that be? If you haven't yet found it out, uh, if you can find it uh, in this session, you would have made significant progress on several friends in your life. It's just not about uh, a spiritual meeting that we have. It is about a meeting about life. And we can't differentiate uh, between the two. There is no separate uh, spiritual being and a material being that we have. Once Daji beautifully was explaining about the concept of the balance existence, and uh, he said, uh, people are only worried about balancing the two wings uh, of one side the material and the other side spiritual. They need to understand that both have to work in unison where both become an extension of another. And they're able to rise above and fly towards something that they've chosen to. So it is just not about fluttering in the air, mid-air, all the time looking, how am I going to balance my left and right, my material and spiritual and things like that. So if you are able to find it out, in my view, I found it long, long ago, maybe at the age of 38, 39, uh, though I won't explain what it is. But after that, my life became one of uh, joyous existence. And whatever we are going to speak about in the rest of the session about aligning the success with habits <clears throat> will revolve around what I have over a period of time uh, found for myself. Because whenever I find uh, people, whether successful or not, one thing that I always hear from all of them is that uh, I don't have time. Like what even Vishwa was talking about a little bit ago before the session officially started. I say I don't have I didn't have time to check on this I didn't have time to check on that I don't have time to check on something or do something is one of the most uh, shallow excuses we can give to life I mean it's not about any specific person this is a challenge that the entire world seems to have today you catch even a five-year-old boy he says um, I don't have time to do the homework because I'm busy playing you ask someone who is 10 years old he will have a different view and a 25 year old and I've met uh, people, I continue to meet people as part of my uh, uh, corporate work that I do. People who are extremely successful in their own definition, extremely rich, extremely wealthy. When you talk to them, you always still find that they don't have time. Time for what? They don't have time. I should have spent some time with my daughter when she went to that parents-teachers association meeting or that annual get-together or uh, whatever the situation or there was a wedding in my family but I couldn't actually make it because I was busy signing some contract overseas making some additional millions things like that so if you really look at it managing time managing success and managing habits are uh, three points in the equilateral triangle that you have to continuously balance if you are not balancing the equilateral triangle loses uh, its balance and it becomes a different sized one and the key is to balance all these three and use it to grow. An equilateral triangle, if you really look at it, can be of different dimensions. Uh, it can be small, it can be medium, it can be large, it can be extra large, it can be super large. And it can be the size of the universe as well. <clears throat> An equilateral triangle, if you had uh, done math in school, uh, what is inside is called as the area of the equilateral triangle. And that is something that can keep growing. And when it keeps growing, your life is supposed to be uh, more impactful, provided they are balanced on uh, three, these three pillars, what I spoke about, the 
the success, uh, the habits and the time that you're able to balance together. If you're only running after success and if you're unable to balance, uh, say, the time and the habits that uh, form your path towards the success, uh, what is the point? Uh, you would have been an exhausted soul at the end of your life, really not knowing. I have met several people who are uh, 70, 80 plus. I continue to meet. Many of them, their life is uh, full of regrets. I always ask this question, which I raised in one of the forums last week. If you had a choice to rewind your life and how you would live it all over again, the kind of answers which came were uh, so different. I mean, each one had something that uh, they've forgotten to do or they could have done better. Recently, about a month back, I was reading an article which was forwarded uh, through our most favorite uh, social handle, WhatsApp. It was said that uh, at the time of death, with respect to the life that you lived, uh, in about, it, it's the article was scientific, right? It's just not a management article. They had done research over say, 20 to 25 years of people who are uh, terminally ill and considered to be dying. And apparently all these people who had uh, been, uh, whose uh, life uh, towards the end had been uh, captured and chronicled, they all had one thing in common. They said that somehow they sensed when death is going to come. And at the time of death, and some of them, these data were captured from people who came back. Uh, so you may be wondering, how is it possible that people who died, the data was captured? These data were captured from people who came back, who didn't die, but they had what they call as NDE or near-death experience. These people, all of them, they invariably said that in about a minute or two, my entire life ran like, it was like running at 500 kilometers per hour. Right from the time of my birth till the current time, I was able to see the entire life in that one single moment of one or two minutes. And many of them did not have very pleasant things to say about what they lived through. And they all said that we would have lived the life differently. So which means that understanding uh, Charity always used to say the highest wisdom is to learn from others' experience. Uh, it takes a lot of time for us to make our own original mistakes. <laughs> By the time we make the mistakes and learn from them, you would have lost a lot of time. Uh, I always remember this famous joke about a very successful person who went, uh, went to a uh, college and he was addressing the college students. And uh, people asked, uh, what is the... Uh, one thing that you would like to share with us. Uh, learning from others' mistakes is what he said. And a student mocked at him saying, sir, what is the point uh, in learning mistakes, learning from others' mistakes? Then he shared his life story. He said, I was likely 20, 20 years back. And at the time, some elderly person came and advised me that, you know, learn from others' mistakes so that you can save time. I didn't really care for him and spent 20, 25 years in doing all the mistakes that I can on my own, paid the price. I'm about 45 now. I now understand that uh, it's better to learn from others' mistakes. But when I tell you that you wouldn't really listen, you would want to go ahead and make your own mistakes. Like this, we all continue to do. After the session is over, dusted, and you hit your bed, and uh, you're going to have a busy day ahead tomorrow, being a Monday. Uh, you may be wondering about your priorities for tomorrow. How am I going to attend work? What am I going to achieve? How am I going to satisfy my client requirements or my family needs or whatever? And this is completely forgotten that uh, 
in another 5, 10, 20 years from now, uh, we'll be history. We will not be there. Maybe much longer, much shorter. We don't know. That is the funny thing in life. As one of the stories in Mahabharata goes, uh, if you read uh, that uh, famous epic from India, where uh, Yudhishthir, one of the first Pandavas, is uh, about to sort of face the most testing time of his life. He has just lost his four brothers, uh, where the brothers went and breached a pond which was being held uh, by an Ashwini. Ashwini is like one of those uh, godly angels, you can say. And they went against his advice uh, and they all died. And uh, now Yudhishthira is being put to the test where he's being asked uh, several questions. And uh, the final question is called as Yudhishthira Prashan. And he's being asked, what is the strangest thing in the world? And if you give answer to this also, right, I will uh, give back one boon for you. And uh, the question that is asked of Yudhishthira is, uh, what is the strangest thing? And then Yudhishthira answers, uh, which even today is something that, uh, that we can learn from. He says, uh, the strangest thing, oh my Lord, is that uh, we see people dying around us all the time, but we think that we are immortal and we are going to live forever. And Ashwini, the, the angel, is happy and uh, he gives him some bone. And it's a different story. You can look it up, you know, Yudhishthir Prashan in Google. You'll find this famous story, which has a lot of philosophical bend and uh, it forms the basis of many uh, uh, life learning for many of us. Coming back to what I wanted to say, uh, if we are very clear, at least by the end of this session, what is my success? What is the definition of my success? Is it ambitious? Is it aspirational? Am I here to just acquire for myself and go on piling up my wealth or solving my day-to-day -day material issues? Or am I going to do something which is going to uh, leave a legacy for the betterment of the world. As the famous uh, English poet or English uh, writer once said, I don't know if it was Bertrand Russell or uh, somebody else, who said that uh, if not the same, if not better, at least leave the earth the same as you found uh, as you came in. It was one of Charity's most famous quote as well. said, every spiritual aspirant specifically has uh, this uh, I would say a moral responsibility that we understand that uh, whatever is happening in the world, as Daji mentioned in one of his videos three months back, boils down to the thought pollution. And the thought pollution, if not regulated, is what causes much of uh, the other issues. When your thoughts are polluting yourself and polluting the world uh, around you, you are not making it a better place for sure. When I say thought pollution, I'm speaking specifically about lower levels of uh, thinking. If you are capable of thinking and if you're capable of thinking better, why restrict it to only negativities and only about acquiring wealth and only about uh, beautifying yourself, only about looking good, only about driving better cars, all that there's no harm. It is always said in management science that when you run after outcome uh, uh, goals, output goals become incidental. I mean, 20 years from now, uh, if you decide that maybe I want to be the most uh, celebrated thinker in uh, the Canadian context, whether in uh, management or in science or in whatever, 
as you do that, you'll find that automatically uh, the output results uh, keep piling up. An anecdote uh, one strategy shared here is uh, if you're looking to climb Mount Everest, which is about 29,000 feet, and if your goal is set for the highest, in the first 500 to 1,000 feet, you are likely to find the diamonds and sapphires and gold and whatnot. He said beautifully that output goals or wealth is something like that. They are something which, which are so easily to be found. Once there was a famous uh, businessman, uh, he was about to die. And he has given a choice of carrying one thing of his choice because he had been such a good person. And he wanted to carry uh, about 100 kilos of gold with him, which is what was allowed. And he carries and moves across and he is uh, met by St. Peter on the other side. And St. Peter asked him, why have you brought this? He said, no, God gave me the permission. So St. Peter confirms, yes, uh, he has been given the permission. And being a very special person is given a, a meeting with God. So he goes to meet God and God says, you know, yeah, I remember you asked for a boon, I gave it. Oh, show me what have you brought. And then he shows me this uh, 100 kilo of gold that he brought. He's saying, oh, you brought all the way what we use here for uh, road dust. He shows around the road on the side. It's all full of dust and they're all full of uh, gold. And he says, that's all you brought here. So in the land of uh, uh, the God, whatever we take from here may not be of much value. Dalaji once uh, told Babaji apparently that even the spiritual wealth I give you, you have to leave behind. You can't carry it. The only thing that you carry is that your ability to swim further and further and further. And whatever I share with you in this journey, you have to pass it on to your successor, who in turn has to pass it on to your successor. And in the duality of existence, all that, that we have here is what we have. And uh, once we move on, we leave all this. In that context, if you relook at the definition of what success is, would you start looking at it differently from today? If it is so, what would we have to do? Looking at the equilateral triangle where I mentioned about the three pillars, one being success, the other being time, the other being habits. If you had to balance these three, how would you uh, look at the rest of your life? Since we don't know, like based on what Yudhishthira said, whether you're going to live till uh, tomorrow morning or for another one week or another 10 years or 40 years, God knows uh, how long. That's why Charity always said that death is the biggest secret of all which is kept from humanity because otherwise life will become chaotic. And that is also the beauty because uh, we can live for one day at a time and we can still live into eternity. It depends on whatever uh, the rest of the life in terms of years we have to live. Okay. Having defined now success, what it means to you, combination of ambition or aspiration or just aspirational, those aspirational goals can be, I don't know how many of you have a number. If you look up my WhatsApp status, you'll find what I put there, which is the same for the last seven years or so. And that is something, if I'm sure we shall be figuring out by now, opening another window, what the status is, uh, is something, is what my only goal for the rest of my life is, which is what was the turning point at the age of 39, what I mentioned, uh, when I decided to spend the rest of my time in furthering the cause of what the mission stands for. It's not necessarily the goal that everyone has to pursue, but that goal gave me the clarity for the rest of my life, whatever the rest of the life uh, could be. It has been a very long journey after that. 
and I, I still don't know what is the balance left, but uh, whatever I'm doing in my view is uh, to pursue that goal that I've shared in my WhatsApp status as uh, what uh, success is. In which case, the other two uh, the points and the pillars, uh, which are the, what I spoke about, time and habits, became much easier for me to handle. What I share in all my uh, leadership courses is uh, one thing. Once your success is very clearly defined, it is a question of now looking at your life to find. Uh, see, the success once defined becomes your goal or goals which you have to pursue for the rest of life with uh, value and bigger. There's no point in pursuing anything else. Uh, if that clarity comes in, uh, as they say that a person who wants to do 100 things get done none, it's better that you stick to one or max say two goals, one material uh, life uh, goal, aspirational or ambition, and one spiritual goal, like as they say, maxim three of ten maxims, fix the goal as the highest. Whatever that goal is, Charity's famous statement is always uh, something which goes like this. If you meet 100 people who practice uh, Sajmar and you ask them why you are practicing, you will get 110 different answers. People are not really sure why they are in this system, not because the system is at fault. Uh, their interpretation of what is possible to achieve from the system may be many times a shallow. Some people look, if you believe in the Indian tradition of birth and rebirth, they want to get moksha or freedom from rebirth. If you're looking at uh, a Western compassionate kind of a mode, you want to become a better human being where you focus on character formation, a clerk as what Lalaji Maharaj would call. So finally, based on what your uh, spiritual uh, goal is and what your material goal is, the combination of these two, defining what is success for you, then you move to the second point of the equilateral triangle, which I would call as habits, which also in turn manages the third point in the equilateral triangle, which is time. Let's see how uh, briefly. We all have uh, one day at a time to live max. Because by the time you sleep and get up, we don't know whether you're going to get up in this world or uh, get up on the other side of the world. And for some people, the transition happens while uh, the day is still in progress. Lucky are those who have those uh, peaceful transit when they are sleeping. This is uh, said and uh, said by other, none other than Charlie Maharaj himself. He once mentioned nothing like uh, passing out peacefully in sleep. And you know that is something he said uh, is worth without much of uh, suffering towards the end because humans don't like that phase of life. Coming back to that point, what, what I was speaking about one day at a time. We all know that a day has about 24 hours. I don't know how Canada works. At least in India, we have only 24 hours per day. Uh, I hope it's the law, the same everywhere in the world. I don't think Bill Gates has 25 hours. A poor man on the street has 22 hours. God is kind that he creates an equal opportunity of 24 hours for all. This 24 hours, how we deploy is what uh, determines uh, US uh, progress, the faster progress towards your goals, what you define as success. As the famous person once uh, mentioned, initially you invest time in making your habits and the rest of the life, uh, the habits decide what you have to become. And hence you have to choose wisely the <clears throat> time you invest in habits. And if you have a chance to relook at your habits, uh, how I would uh, look at it, how I looked at it is, is something like this. In these 24 hours, how much time do I have to 
sprain for sleeping. So for some people, four hours is sufficient. For some people, seven hours is sufficient. Based on the different school of uh, thoughts, uh, people will put down uh, their thinking as the right one. But if you look at the Indian yogic science, it says very clearly, even Swami Vivekananda has mentioned it once. If you know how to sleep using the process of yoga nidra, even one hour of sleep is sufficient and uh, that is equivalent to about five hours of uh, what we call as a delta level sleep. Considering that there are four or five levels of sleep, REM or the rapid eye movement being the lowest one, which is where we apparently spend two to three hours in bed. Out of about eight hours that we claim to sleep, the reason why people sometimes need longer time in the bed is because they are spending so much time in the first, second level of sleep where you don't actually sleep. Your body is not getting rest, but you think you're lying down. But the speed at which you, there have been a lot of uh, sleep uh, research which has been done, including our own Heartfulness Institute. You can look up uh, the internet for all these results. They all say that about one, one and a half hours of uh, delta level sleep is what you need. And uh, the purpose of sleep is to get that one hour of delta kind of a sleep. Whether you get it in two hours or whether you get it in eight hours is a choice you have to make, which also means habit is just not about uh, uh, what you do when you're awake. Habit is also what you do when you're actually asleep. If you are a preceptor watching the session, uh, you would have surely read and understood how Lalaji Maharaj, Babaji Maharaj, uh, Charji Maharaj, and even Daji works even when they are asleep. You would have understood uh, the concept when uh, they let the subtle body out do the work even when they are asleep so that the subtle body is continuously working. And there is no limit to the number of subtle bodies they could create and they could work on as many abhyasis as they chose when they were asleep. Which meant that uh, for them, habit is not... Many people I have come across, even abhyasis and some senior preceptors, they all think uh, habits are something that we use when we are awake. Uh, habits is what you do when you are alive is what I would put. It could be a big uh, shift in uh, consciousness for you. Habits is not about what you do when you are uh, awake. It's habits about what you do when you are alive. If you are able to even make good of this, uh, it will bring a completely a big shift in how you think uh, at uh, life itself. If you are able to now go back and find out how should I sleep? How much time do I uh, need to actually sleep to ensure that the rest of the time I am awake in this world, I am able to focus and use it for the two or one or two goals that I am going to pursue the rest of my life with. You may be wondering then what happens to all the other material level goals. I always say that when you, Daji famously mentioned about a year back or two years back, if I remember, he mentioned if you're smart, find that one problem by solving which you solve all problems of existence. Solve that one problem, solving of which solves all the problems of this world once and for all. Is it something that we are capable of doing, even identifying what that core problem is? If you're able to do that, if you're able to find that one goal achieving which will let you achieve all other goals. When I run a marathon, one kilometer gets covered automatically. I don't need to set a goal for one kilometer, two kilometers, three kilometers. I set a goal to run marathon in a specific time. I maintain my body, I run. Everything else automatically happens. And if I do it well, my bank balance improves, my health improves and things like that. 
So going back to the, the concept of habits, it's all about uh, writing down what my goals are. And if you are really sincere, uh, uh, take a sheet of paper whenever it's possible in the next one day. Write both when I am asleep and when I am awake. How do I invest every 30 minutes of my time? Just first write on the left city column on serial numbers, write in the description. And in uh, the column uh, three and four, write uh, 30 minute slots, 1 to 130, 130 to 2, 2 to 2, 2.30 a.m., p.m., whatever. And then write in the description column, in that 30 minutes, what did I do? How did I spend my day? And now look at the cheat. <clears throat> Those 30 minute chunks actually are the reflection of how you use time based on the habits that are consuming you. Was I watching TV? Was I reading books? Was I chatting with my friends? Was I doing my work? If I was doing my work, was I doing it efficiently? Or was I investing time in making it uh, do more effectively? I always used to mention in all my leadership sessions, the leadership, effective leadership is when Within two to three months of you ascending to a position, you are able to find two, three people who can do the job for you so that you are free to move up the ladder. Because when you stagnate, uh, you are also making people below you not to move up. Maybe a very tough call, but uh, really doable if you learn the art of uh, empowerment and delegation. Okay, coming back to the question. If I have written this sheet, how do I look at 30-minute uh, chunks every day? And look at those 30 minutes as your habits. Every day, this is what is either uh, uh, consuming your time, eating your time, or helping you to gallop towards the goals that you have. Uh, if these 30 minutes that you're investing is not efficient in going towards the goals that you have, uh, if you're not still clear of the goals, go back, revisit. Are these goals compelling enough? Are these goals one or two, whatever I'm writing, spiritual material, good enough for the rest of my life? And in that pursuit, am I utilizing the habits uh, that I have? And if you really look at uh, those uh, habits uh, in, a, in a most, uh, I would say, I mean, be very, very critical of yourself. Illat, killat, zillat, you know, we don't need somebody else to find faults. We have to be capable of introspecting and say that I need to let go of this. I'm investing too much of time in this specific uh, habit, which has become a habit because I allowed it to balloon into something like this. Uh, earlier it was in the 10, 20 years back, I was not investing so much time on OTT movies or WhatsApp forwards till 2011 or 12 WhatsApp didn't even exist. And, uh, we all know that the founder was looking for a job in Twitter in 2008. And when WhatsApp became popular, now about three to four billion people every day wake up in the morning to WhatsApp. And that's half the world population investing time on WhatsApp. Are we using that? WhatsApp is just a placeholder here. Nothing specific about WhatsApp. It's about the habits that consume you. Or am I using the time, including the time that I'm actually asleep in doing work upon myself? Even if you're not the so-called spiritually inclined person, you would know that uh, even when you're asleep, you can unleash your subconscious mind to work for yourself. Some of the greatest mathematical problems have been solved when people went to sleep with a problem with the hope that the solution will be found. The subconscious being the black box that it is uh, finds a way to solve it for you. 
So going back to the concluding portion of the equilateral triangle, if uh, only the focus that you have is on success without looking at the two uh, main inputs, uh, which are your habits and time, it's going to be a skewed triangle. It won't be equilateral. If you're investing too much time in only managing time, not having clear goals, then you will not know how to form your habits. If you are a very, very, very habit-focused person, but not clear in the goals that you have or in the time you have, you still have a skewed equilateral triangle. If you can look at this equilateral triangle going forward, and if you are a person doing the work of uh, the incarnate uh, master, the spiritual goal will automatically cover the goal of taking his message as well. By this time, if you are pinging on your another window on WhatsApp, you must have found out what my WhatsApp status is. If you have found that, uh, you would understand that the majority of my time goes in the pursuit of spreading the message of happiness. And that for me is the definition for spiritual success. Long, long, long ago, I left uh, any interest on knowing what my spiritual progress is, what my condition is, what my position is, what my approach is. Why bother about all that, you know? I mean, I know consciously what I can do. And if I am good at doing that, uh, what else would the master have but to give me the best? Why worry about it? If after all they are the most compassionate and generous, would I have to trade uh, the love of my labor for a very stupid thing like uh, 11th point, 12th point, uh, merger with him, things like that? He's really keen, it's up to him. As Daji always say, you know, in a war with God, either way you are the winner, whether you lose or whether you win. And when you do his work, which is one of my spiritual, rather my only spiritual goal, my spiritual goal is not of consciously of progress, not of expansion, not of consciousness sort of growth, not of merger, not of anything else, though these are all things which are available. My only spiritual goal has been to take the message of what my masters have given to the nook and corner of what this world is, and if possible, beyond this as well. And in this process, I have found out that my material life has taken a very strong foundation. I never had, uh, I wouldn't even say I've never had any issues in life. I would say that rather that he has given so much <clears throat> internally that there's nothing that I can I can't manage in my life today. What would be the situation? You throw me at the deep end of any situation, I can sort of uh, come out with one day. I would say that uh, knowledge that I have is that he is at the back and he's always uh, guarding my rear. And of course, efforts is something that we need to do. With that uh, clarity in mind, if you approach life, whatever be it, I'm not saying that this goal of mine has to be the goal for you as well, but what will be the goal? We jump into it uh, fully. Uh, success, habits, and time being managed. There's nothing that uh, you cannot conquer either outside uh, world or in the inside world. With that, I would uh, put a short uh, stop to this talk of mine and throw it open for question answers if we have. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Like, uh... If anyone has any questions, you can feel free to unmute yourself and you can feel free to ask any questions. It was uh, quite intriguing for me. There were several takeaways. Uh, it all came in a bullet speed, to be very frank. Was it so slow? 
<laughs> very slow <laughs> there was about aspiration and ambition and the need for us to you know have an aspiration in life about the three equilateral triangles about success habit and time and how critical they are about the time of passing and how everything that whatever we have done in life comes at that particular moment for us as a way of reflection so it's extremely important for us to uh, make use of every moment that we have to spend purposefully so there was quite a lot uh, you know in the talk does anyone have any questions to ask please feel free you have yeah it's not chargeable feel free <laughs> no charge <laughs> It will be nice if anyone has any questions to ask before we move to the sitting part of it. Yeah, at least about seven minutes before we have to start the sitting, 6.30, which is mm -hmm. what I have set the time as. But I'm okay. I'm open to stretch either. But one thing, uh, you know, I have personally felt is... We like, have one uh, raised hand. After you're done, Vishwap, you can go yes. to this. Yeah. The one thing from what... Prakash said that I will also reflect from my side is, um, you know, initially I also had this thought that taking up to spiritual life, uh, will we have enough time for material success? And so uh, do we rather not be giving more time to the material life? But honestly, from my life, when I were to reflect it, uh, anything that I have gained from the spiritual life has really helped me with a better footing on the material life that I only become better because the character formation or the ability to handle the stress or you know ability to work in a multi-pronged way, all those things have only added to the efficacy of like you know how we approach things. Um, yes, Jin Ting, you know, you have a question, please feel free to go ahead and ask. Yes, thank you, Brother Prakash. This is from Buffalo, New York Center. Um, thank you so much for that enlightening talk. I just have a very brief question. Um, I work with college students uh, in a university setting. I think your talk is not only relevant to all of us who practice heartfulness, but also for students who are on the journey to achieve their life goals as well. Um, so thinking from their perspective, uh, my question is about how does failure or challenge figure into that triangle that you talk about, um, success, habit, and time? Because when people are in the deep end of their life, it, it, um, it takes on a different configuration. I, I would I would assume or imagine that triangle would take on a different configuration to sometimes the balance is broken and, and have, yeah, yeah, I, I won't say anymore, but that was basically what I wanted to know for us and but also for what I can bring back to my classroom to perhaps explain the idea to the students. Thank yeah. you. I, I recall maybe instead of giving a direct answer, I always like to quote from the masters. About 20 years back, there was a very interesting session that we had in IIT Madras. IIT Madras is one of the most uh, top-notch uh, technical institutions of India. And there, uh, Charji was addressing the students. We had taken him there uh, for uh, those days. We wouldn't call it uh, U-Connect or S-Connect. 
it just happened that we had a professor who was also prefect and he wanted uh, Shri Parmanandji, who is no more with us. He had wanted to take and Karaji was uh, very happy to come. And the same question came up. Uh, people asked him, what do you think about failure? Charlie gave a very poignant answer at the time, which I thought I would uh, recall and quote here. Said, uh, don't take failure as something which is an end. He defined failure as the gap from the time that you start till you reach your goal. We unfortunately in this world, and if you really look at uh, the definition what he gave, it uh, completely normalizes uh, the way in which uh, we would approach life. In life, at the end of the day, we think we have to achieve something. These are artificial barriers the society has put on our head that you must complete your kindergarten by the age of three. You must have completed your first standard by the age of six. And if you are not that, uh, the stigma the society puts on your head is uh, that you are a failure. If you look at the definition what Charji gave, failure is the gap between from the time you start till you finish. There are some people who run slow. There are some people who run fast. Nobody is going to run life the same speed at which uh, we would want them to run. Just because I was a gold medalist in my college, which I was, doesn't mean my daughter has to be the same. She can be better, she can be lower. She can be doing that at her own pace. If you look at some of the current educational curriculum, which is emerging throughout the world, uh, specifically in uh, uh, if I understand in Sweden and uh, places like uh, Finland, Singapore, these three countries I can surely say because I have studied a bit about how they offer. They don't put any artificial time limit by which a student will have to complete a particular uh, schooling process. In fact, they don't even uh, put dates by which you have to clear an exam. The rote system as it's called, memory-based uh, learning, which is nothing but uh, throwing back into paper what you have learned, which is quite famous even today in India. The only way in which you are valued, what you are worth in this world is by the academic so-called brilliance, which is nothing but your ability to recall what you have memorized in your school days. If I remember what is A plus B whole square and reproduce A plus B whole square, I am considered to be a brilliant student without even knowing how A plus B whole square is practically used in life. And this, unfortunately, is uh, it, it's not a problem with the students alone. It's a problem with the society in which the teachers, the schooling system, the political system, everyone is part of. So we are looking at a slow overall. I don't know how far uh, Canada has adopted to the concept of Heartful Campus. Heartful Campus is an initiative in India where we are slowly working, which is uh, an offering from Heartfulness Institute. Maybe you can ask uh, the people from your side to explore this. Is when we uh, take the focus away from just uh, uh, the need to memorize and recall, just the need to perform and stand at the top of your uh, GPAs and other things, but look at uh, life holistically. If you are a teacher's assistant, you have a big moral responsibility to ensure that uh, students are uh, slowly brought into. Uh, what we would call as the creative space of life. It has been found scientifically that people think better and perform better when they are not under stress. <clears throat> if I had told you in the beginning of the session, at the end, I'm going to ask you 25 questions. And if you are not answering these questions, you'll be demoted. 
how you would have listened to the session, you know, you would have taken notes, you would have been highly stressed, you would have been maybe screaming at me internally. And at the end, you'll be wondering what these questions are and my entire life, uh, success or so-called failure depends on it. But when you bring joy into that and uh, take the concept of failure uh, from the point of view of time into eternity, I guess many of these issues are dissolved. If you look back at your own life, whatever your current age is, what is bothering you today is what happened yesterday, day before, three days ago. You don't remember what happened five years ago. But whenever it happened five years ago, at that moment, it was the most stressful period of your day. So if you really look at the complete spectrum of life, success and failure, both are dualities. At some point of time, you'll transcend beyond this and then move to what I call as excellence. So in the focus is on being uh, what I call as excellence. Even Charaji once mentioned uh, that uh, perfection is only reserved for gods. Let's not humans worry about all that uh, because we are not meant to be perfect. We are, of course, uh, some people, who, uh, as they would say, you know, we have the vehicle uh, inbuilt in us to become excellent. That is something that we should allow at least on a one-on-one -on -one conversation with students so that uh, they don't feel the pressure of having to reach certain artificial goals in a fixed time. I hope this partly answers your question. Yes, thank you so much, Rath. And I, we have one more question uh, from uh, Soumya. Uh, so basically what she uh -huh. thank you very much for the session. Uh, we all have a problem with having negative or pessimistic thoughts. Um, and so sometimes it affects us health-wise or sometimes it gives rise to anxiety. So how do we stop worrying about something that may not even occur in life? Let me go back to the <clears throat> old man's quote again, Charity Maharaj. His famous quote was, worry is a misdirected thought. Very simple. Worry is a misdirected thought. And uh, we are always thinking about something going wrong. And if you look at uh, the power of subconscious mind, what uh, you continuously think about is what you attract. And that is also the basis of meditation. We all think about something and hoping that someday we cross the, the point of thinking and move into feeling. And from feeling, we moving move into becoming. And from becoming, we move into being. Uh, one, uh, uh, I would say, uh, elixir that we all have is uh, constant remembrance. In constant remembrance, even if you have a misdirected thought, there is a course correction that happens automatically. The way an ant is moving in the wall and uh, as an external person, you just guide it towards an exit by just putting your hands on either side. Uh, there is always an external hand that happens, at least in heartfulness practice, uh, through constant remembrance. There is also another technique that Daji has given. Uh, recently, all of us are familiar with this, uh, is what we call a spot cleaning. Whenever you have a worry popping up, whenever you have a negative thought popping up, submit it at his feet and uh, do a spot cleaning for a few minutes and fill yourself with the divine energy which is always available. I have done it several times whenever uh, I've had uh, chances of uh, stress. These days, I'm more uh, cause of stress for others than myself <laughs> causing stress to myself, jokes apart. It is something, a technique which all of us can easily use. Heartfulness is full of so many techniques which are fairly efficacious and something that we should learn to use. Spot cleaning and with a 
uh, firm prayer of submitting my worries to his faith two things that can work and hand in hand to overcome any adverse situation thank you anna <coughs> so it's around 904 like uh, can go into setting the other questions so maybe if anyone has any more questions you can either put it in the chat box or probably you can unmute yourself and ask if no one has any questions then we can move into the sitting yeah maybe you can stop the recording and uh, i'll say please start i'll mute myself and uh, whenever i'm done i'll unmute and say that's all mm -hmm. is that